you might talk about what else? I don't really know. Well, have no. you ever been on a on a podcast before, Alice? No. Uh, are you afraid of it? Kind of. Because you're already being recorded, so there's that. But you know, this is one of our 5150 shows, and... From high atop the Rocky Mountains, it's the Barbarian Prophet. Oh, welcome back to the Barbarian Prophet, folks. Well, we have Mike Bingle Davis, and we have his daughter Alice in studio with us today. And so, what I just wanted to let you know is we have been talking about the last time we were in here we talked about pike that's right and he was kind of whacked out etc and i've gotten a bunch of emails actually i've got several emails and i've had several comments but that people were like whoa what is that stuff all about especially that it was written so long ago but mike uh you know we i sent you um a little blink and i'll pay a little piece of this and i you know i'm probably way pushing my boundaries with this but there's these guys called sunday cool and if you guys get a chance look them up on youtube and i mean they have so many good things it's a it's a a couple of long bearded wonderful guys that that are uh have a great show and uh one of the things they start we're getting there again let's see if we can get this to pause out here but one of the things that they start talking about on their show and we highly recommend you tune into their show but it spawned a conversation between you and me i'm going to play about one minute of their clip well and i think it's important to point out that when we were talking about pike you know it was interesting because we were sort of thinking, or at least I was thinking, you know, like what had happened at the turn of the first century. Right. So let's you talk know? about that. Turn of the first century, we have missed the rise of mysticism. Right. And uh, that that's a whole enlightenment thing is happening. I mean, huge, yeah. but a uh, huge jump in industrialization. Things were being built. Steam was being used. Uh, you know, all kinds of advancements were being made. And so during that technological leap, you know, I was always just kind of wondering why would there be so much of that Alistair Crawley, um, Oh, yeah, and that's that's all all at the start of the 20th century. Let's back up a little bit. Where that is, it's the start of the 19th century. And there was actually, let's think about this, we we have the world, especially the United States, tied up in a whole turmoil thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and let's just think about that. We have the development of the North and South War, which was the great civil war of the United States. And the other thing that happens in that, Mike, is that um, there is a rise of Darwinism. Right. Okay. So this human human intellect thing starts to infiltrate Christianity. And uh, you have definitely two different collectives of people having this strong argument that we're still fighting about today. Yeah. And it's funny how at each turn, each hundred years or each few hundred years, how things change. I mean, when we look back at uh, France and England way back, they had a, a war that lasted 100 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They had, uh, we take a look at things like 
the great crusades that started in the late 900s, right? Just as we're getting ready to bridge over that into the first 1,000. And that was like one of those moments where Christianity all of a sudden had military rise up inside of them. People go, we're fighting for God. And they start wiping out people. Right. Reclaiming the lands that were taken by Islam. Well, and the whole other thing is Islam all of a sudden came up at about that time frame, too, in the late 700s, right? Yeah, like 500 AD. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were talking, that, that's always an argument that somebody, well, that people bring up, you know, that Christianity is, you know, violent. Oh, it's a no. violent, violent religion. It's just as violent as Islam or whatever, you know. And, and, right. And in all fairness, what they don't realize is that with the birth of Muhammad right. and him tearing across the Middle East, you know, replacing leadership, saying, you know, accept these leaders. And accept this one God. Because uh, prior to that, the Bedouin people had like 365 gods. Convert or die. Yeah. Essentially. And yeah. then, you know, really leaving things as they are. And then just going across North Africa, going over right. to Spain. Once he hit uh, Germany, that was it. Right. I don't know what it is about Germany, but they had a dead stop there. That's that's quite interesting, actually. It is. I, I mean, because uh, we've had, uh, we've got things going over there right now with the Catholic Church. Mm. Where there's what is being called uh, the next great schism is starting there. Uh, where there's combat between some of the priests and uh, the Pope. Hmm. and uh, that's something we can cover number, another day because I know neither one of us are, are armed and ready for that. Not battle. ready, no, no. But so, you know, when they when they slowly pulled back, all of that property still was retained as being Islam. Yeah, that's correct. And so the Crusades were an effort, as far as I know, to yeah. go through there and sort of liberate it again uh, from islam and put it back into a sort of christianity role yeah that that that's the way they want you to think in the pay it, here's what really happened europe was starving to death and they didn't know what else to do so they put everybody to war <laughs> i mean that works. in all reality man that is there was more you know the old statement was uh you could be a beggar in the street uh in europe or you could be the king of a city in the middle east mm. and uh because it was a place that did not recognize where you came from only what you had it in your hands to accomplish and there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened with all that <clears throat> and um you know the one thing is is that even at that those uh the people of the middle east had been at war for thousands of years i mean we see arguments and struggles and fights in the bible all the way back to genesis mm -hmm. uh the early chapters of genesis from uh the time the the big boat landed you know there starts to become uh combat right you you even go uh back there and you have ham has his uh grandchildren uh, which was called Nimrod, which built the city of Babel and the Tower of Babel. 
And uh, what ends up happening is we have all kinds of struggles. So the fight's always been in the area. I mean, people need to realize that. But when we really stop and take a look at it, some of those fights even went on before the flood. Same area, just so we're aware. And the reason, well, I can't prove out that it's the same area, but I would say that in antediluvian times or pre-flood era, that uh, what kind of technology did they have? What kind of things? I mean, let's think about this, Mike. We we know some pretty smart people. You right. are a smart person. Alice is one of the most incredibly smartest people in the room. But you can tell by how much she talks. And <laughs> <laughs> And then the next part of that is you realize a couple more things is that what happens is... If you give a person 50 years, they can figure out some stuff. Yeah. Alice, let me ask you, you play the bass, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so how long did it take you from the moment you decided to pay, play the bass? How long did it take you to learn? Like, I think a month, a month and a half. All right. Now, what happens if I leave her just steady at it for 100 years? Do you think you'd be pretty incredible at it? For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I've watched you steadily improve since then, too. But, Mike, when you take a look at all of this stuff, how do you view some of these things where we're watching humanity? I mean, even you take a look at things like electronics. Technology. Yeah. yeah. Well, Technology since just 1999. Let's absolutely. just only go back to there and then move forward. Right. I mean, you see um, cell phones computers everything you know we always end up talking about these types of things of technology and whatnot but it's important to realize that humanity throughout history has always sort of had a goal right right you know there's usually some kind of unifying mission or thing that we'd like to reach or once we get to this point then you know sort of you know we figure out agriculture we figure out such and such and such and such right but in this technology it's aimless so there's real no set guidelines where we say you know what we're good um we have to continuously be improving it and when we're doing that um we kind of fall into a bit of a there's a bit of an issue with that because we keep perfecting the same, you know, this technology to, to what end, at what point is the goal satisfied and in an, in an aimless pursuit of something with no goal is sort of just irresponsible. Right. And so we find ourselves at this point now We've, we've slowly found ourselves to be in a position where we're reaching that end point of technology without the advent of something extremely different. You know? So what does this end up looking like? Well, okay, we, well let's, let's pump the brakes here, man. So we've got, we got technology right. move forward. So what, we're, we're falling short in some areas. One, we're watching a change in the church. So we're seeing some, so we're seeing spiritual uh, disconnect in some cases, 
And in other cases, we're seeing um, a heightened awareness of spiritual activity. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes. All right. So let's jump from there and say, now where does this go? What happens when we, I mean, what happens when you're sick of getting the latest iPhone that came out the last six months and you spend as much as you did on your first car when you were a teenager? We're close to that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, we mentioned earlier when we were talking, how many more advancements can you have for a flat screen TV? Uh, it's a 4K. That's the most our eyes can see. Yep. And there's, it's argued even if we're able to even see in 4K. Um, I would say I would agree with that. But there's 8K TVs, so we can't see that. So what's an 8K TV? It's the 8,000 pixels or something like right. that. It's just but impossible our, for us to see. It's pointless. Our, our brain can't even function at that level. And it right. isn't that your eye can't see it. It's your brain cannot comprehend it. Yeah, the, the, the way the eye's built, it's not able to actually interpret that much. So it dumbs it down to the point where you're able to interpret it. Mm. So TVs at that particular stage, they're done. Okay. We're done with unless we find some way to roll up the LCDs screens or LED screens or something like that. So that's an example of the pinnacle of a technology, right? And once you get to that point, and we talked about the balance of the physical, mental, and spiritual, and keeping all of those things in balance. But once you start to kind of reach that technological pinnacle that can sort of substitute itself in for what other you need to maintain as far as balance. Right. Right. And so if you're able to, you know, uh, get rid of the need to be physical, you know, people say like, well, what are we going to evolve into? Are we going to turn into just these floating heads or, you know what I mean? Where we won't need bodies anymore. Do you um, think that is possible, Alice? Do you want to be a floating head? No. Okay. I'm just double-checking with <laughs> Alice. <laughs> we Alice talk- is my keep mic in check mode. <laughs> yeah, she can do that. Or, you know, we talked about time dilation. You know, if these if everybody's watching something that's five seconds long over and over and over and over and over again for five hours. Right. You interrupt that. To them, it's been five seconds. Right. In reality, it's been five hours. They're angry. Right. You don't understand that uh, time dilated. Right. And so it just, the technology itself is sort of kind of skewing society. Right. And it's messing society up in a way that we don't really notice until it starts to kind of substitute itself in for these pieces that need to remain in balance. Right. And that's what we were talking about earlier is how, you know, at the turn of the centuries, when you see the jump to the gas lamps, like we've been in, talked about, right? You know, this morning, um, you also see this concurrent change in one of those three aspects of life, and usually it's in the spiritual, right? Physical is going to always be physical. I can look at you, you can look at me, mm-hmm. you know, mental, we can always talk, you know, you know, whether or not this person's intelligent or not intelligent, but when it comes to spirituality. You know, you've got people that just say, well, I'm a spiritual person, but I do it in my own way. Oh, yeah. I don't need to go to church because I practice it all the time. Right. 
I just think we need good people, you know, on and on and on. So what happens is these, these giant leaps and advances that we see in science generally will take the place of spiritual, of a person's spiritual portion of their body. Right. And allow them to sort of get rid of that necessity or at least perceived necessity and replace it with technology. So let me ask you, Alice, if you don't mind me, how old are you? 12. You're 12 years old. Okay, what grade are you in? 7th. You're in 7th grade. All right, so a real quick question is, have you ever lived life at all without a cell phone? Uh, Yeah, I, I got I, my cell phone like a year ago. Okay, but I mean like you've always seen a cell phone your whole life. Oh, yeah. Mom and dad had a cell phone, etc. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, have you ever uh, had to uh, change the TV with your hand like on a knob? No. No? How about, uh, have you, uh, what kind of technological advances has been made since you, in the last five years for you? What are things that have gotten, is the internet faster than you remember? Yeah, and uh, like the, was it called the OLED TVs? Those weren't around when I was like five. Yeah, but that's a little different. That's just a sharper picture. Okay. OLED. So. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Then what about um, other things like, uh, you, how do you relate to, to spiritual things? What do you think of when uh, when it comes to spiritual things? Well, I don't know. Yeah, okay. And uh, so, I mean, do you, um, do you, I mean, you go to church. I'm, I see you at church because you play bass at the church. But when it comes down to a connection with Christ, how does your age group connect with Jesus? They can't see you shrug your shoulders. <laughs> Say, I don't know. Okay, that's okay. Uh, do you think a lot of your kids at uh, a lot of uh, young people at your school believe in God? Uh, yeah, I think it's prominently. Really? Okay, so tell me a little bit about that. So how do they relate to God? They just believe that there's something out there, I think. I don't really know. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Fair enough. And uh, so uh, when we when we start to take a look at, that's at least still available to them in the school, right? Uh like, what do you mean by that? What I mean is, uh, do you think a lot of those kids go to church? Most likely, yeah. Yeah? Okay. And how many of them, have you ever seen any of them pray at school? Uh, no. Okay. Have you ever prayed at school? Mm-mm. No? Can I ask why? I'm just curious. There's no I'm wrong just, answer just because I'm your pastor. I, I just really haven't thought about it. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, when it comes to reading any, have, do you read anything spiritual or anything related to the Bible outside of when you're reading? Do you read books? Yeah. Okay. So what type of books do you read? Uh, chapter books, horror books, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> your dad, does your dad make you keep, you go outside once in a while? Yeah. Yes, he does. I try. <laughs> he does. Okay. 
Well, uh, okay, so Mike, we're talking about antediluvian times. That's where we were going. Right. So let's go there. So when we start talking about all of this, the precipice or the the pinnacle of technology, do you think that we've reached the pinnacle of technology or do you think it's got a lot further to go? Where do you think we're at with AI? Well, I mean... AI is still just has to have information fed to it in order for it to operate. AI is, in my opinion, at least this point at this point, is more of a buzzword. Okay, you know, fair so, enough. So you know, before when you were looking into Google and you're searching for stuff on the internet, that is basically simplistically put as a an AI already. Okay, so it's an algorithm, right? Right. An AI or an artificial intelligence is is the discernment of data and the ability to process information in a semi-autonomous way. So you give a command and an artificial artificially created algorithm or program is able to take the question you have interpret what it would consider to be a viable answer and return you with what the results are fair enough so 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 let me ask you do you think they had any of this type of information before the flood possibly okay but that's it's kind of going to sound strange I'm ready. Hit it. You already talk strange all the okay. time. Go, stranger. Well, the way I look at it is, um, you know, I believe in the fact of there being sort of a semi-universal awareness or consciousness. Okay. If that makes any sense. Explain. Um, it is a lot like when uh, the, the most simple example I could have is, you know, you buy a new car. Okay. All of a sudden, you see that make and model car everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bought a blue truck, so now I see every blue truck in town. They were always there. You just didn't notice. Right. Right. You don't see any orange ones because you don't own an orange one. You own an orange one, you're going to see the orange ones. Right, right, Um, okay. That's not really what I would consider to be universal consciousness, but I, I think that's more of like a thought or an ideal or a... How do I explain that? It's like a, um, it's an awareness or a place that individuals can draw from that once somebody thinks something, it becomes intellectual property of the universe. Okay. And a person that's attuned correctly is able to draw off of that mass of knowledge. Okay. So now let's, let's bounce to uh, Egypt for just a minute. Sure. Okay, so you ever seen a picture of the eye of Ra? Yes. Have you ever seen it comparative to the human brain? No. I'll show you a picture of that here in a few, but what ends up happening is when you start to take a look at that, the eye of Ra really isn't about an eye. What it is about is the pineal gland, all of the glands in the different parts of your brain. So... um Anyway, my point uh, of all of this is 
do you think that those people had some knowledge of something we don't know about today? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, when you think about it, like kind of going back to what I was saying just before that is that, okay, so there's that pool of knowledge that we're able to draw off of. Right. Um, you know, to some people, yeah, that does. Exactly. <laughs> you know, to some, he's showing me a picture. You maybe can put it online or something like that. But, you know, when the eye of raw was originally the inception of it right right you know maybe there's somebody that's tapping into that that pool of knowledge and interpreting it in the best way that they can based on their surroundings in the particular time period and not necessarily being cognizant or aware exactly of what they're doing right but then finding out later that what they were actually doing was tapping into something that as a as a uh, as humanity, we haven't quite uncovered yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it does make sense. It's a, it's a, it's a lot like Da Vinci's drawings of helicopters and submarines and all this stuff. You know, did he is he the inventor of the submarine and the helicopter, or was he sort of tapping into this thing that this knowledge base? that these things are possible, these things are exist, either exist in the past, exist in the future, sure. exist in the parallel. Right. <clears throat> parallel, so we're into different dimensions. Exactly. Okay, so let, let's, before we even tap that ground, let's stick with Da Vinci for just a minute. So okay. Da Vinci did a um, The Last Supper. Yeah, we talked about this. Too. We this did. You and I talked scary. about this the other day, so fill us in. In Da Vinci, and you can look this up and listen to the song, actually. I wish we could pull that up if we had Alice to pull that up. Okay, but, uh, so go on with it. Okay, um, I'll let, um, um, So, you know, we were talking, there was an individual that was in the news, and they were redoing a piece of art they were restoring. Mm-hmm. And this individual had done a uh, Shakespearean picture of... Uh, wasn't a pope, it's cardinal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was a cardinal. Yeah, and, and and he was on his deathbed. This cardinal was, and it's it's all part of a um, uh, Shakespeare play. And usually, what they were saying is that okay, so they're restoring this painting done by this guy, this six hundred and thirty year old painting. And as they slowly strip off all the lacquer and all the other extra paint and preservatives and all this stuff, they start to see an image appear over this cardinal's head. Now, this is a fictitious cardinal, I think. Right. Because it's a Shakespearean play. Right. But what they start to see is a face, and what they realize is that, oh, you know what? There's a demon hunched over making this particular individual go insane. And in the article that while I was reading it, they were saying how it was okay to talk about you know, demonic possessions, demonic infestations, or impacts as far as it was written, but to put it in art was considered no go. Right. Well, and that would make sense because art actually is what controls a lot of things moving forward. Let me ask you this. You ever hear the term, don't put your elbows on the table? Yep. Who told you that? Parents. Parents. You ever get told, don't put your elbows on the table? 
No. That act you because you got <laughs> you got bad parents. No, we're just uh lenient. Yeah, I just <laughs> here's the deal. That came out of the Da Vinci painting of the Last Supper. Right. Because the this. only person on with their elbows on the table is none other than um um uh, who was um Judas. Judas was the one with these elbows on the table there. But they have several things with that specific piece of art that has um, different things in it. Like Da Vinci was putting all kinds of codes in there. One, he spelled his name with how everybody is sitting. Another thing he did is uh, he did a little piece of music. Now, I'm going to tap this piece of music because it is public domain. To preface it, if you look at it, the positions of the bread. Yeah. I oh yeah, think, yeah. You I don't know how to, this would be more of an Alice if she could see a picture of it. But I don't know that it would matter. But apparently, the pictures, the uh, the picture itself, where the bread is positioned, is representative of the bars or something like that. And then the hand positions are the notes, right? And so they were able to take that, right? Yeah, take that information, and then uh, they found what do they call it? A um, I don't know what term. It's not like a dirge. It's a. I have no idea, Mike. You're way over my head with this whole thing. Uh, it's it's a song, to put it simply. Okay, right? so right, so let let's listen. It's a one minute long song. And, yeah, and this is the song that was seen on the the image that Da Vinci drew, and this was it put to music, which is just to me bizarre. So, so here it is. Oh, and it plays from right to left, by the way. There it is. That is the dinner music from The Last Supper that was decoded by a group of individuals that figured out that the bread was in one part for the notes and then the hands were in a different position to tell you the high or the low part. And that is incredible that that is what was hidden in that painting for starters. And they're guessing when they say things, you know, just looking at, you know, what exactly why you know something like that really doesn't happen by accident no it doesn't happen by accident (laughs) at all and you know uh there's been uh the mona lisa has been is that truly a picture of da vinci hiding himself in the painting you know stuff like that you just don't know i mean you have artists that do a lot and during that time if you said anything that was against the church or anything to that effect you could be put to the stake Right. A very dangerous time. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't have this where we watch kids today slap their school teachers or stuff to that effect and nothing happens to them. I mean, uh, back then, uh, you wouldn't have made it home. No. <laughs> no, and the parents would have been accepting of that, probably. Yeah, they'd have been like, no, that's exactly what needs to happen. That. Yeah, it's bad. 
So on the other end of this is that, I mean, just in talking about the Da Vinci thing and back to the the painting uh, where they start to remove it and they find that there was this demon whispering in this uh, person's ear. Right. Um, Invoking madness. E- exactly. And that, that was... Uh, that was not commonly talked about. Uh, you know, one of the things that the church, for some reason, and I say church meaning overall, you have two views when it comes to demonic things. One is an overzealous uh, activity in in pursuing and fighting it. And the other end is, well, let's just totally ignore it and pretend like it never, ever happened. And uh, I guess the, the, there is a third way is that we acknowledge that it happens, but we don't know what to do about it, which I find very bizarre. I think that either extreme, whether you're actively seeking it out and battling it, and we kind of touched on that with the Pike thing, like yeah. after, you know, like maybe trying to find these essentially demonic artifacts and destroying them. Right. right. It's dangerous. Oh, it is. Well, and you know, uh, not only that, how long have they been around? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, let, let's take a look just here real quick. Just while we're down all these rabbit trails, let's go down this one real quick. The Longina Spear. Mm-hmm. I mean, World War II, uh, when Adolf Hitler was it went off after the Longinus spear, which is supposedly, just so we're all aware, the spear that pierced the side of Jesus Christ. Right. And he had went into a, uh, what was it, Hungary or somewhere like that that supposedly had it at first. And he, he went over there and saw it as a kid, but it drove him. That became a focus for him to lay hands on. Oh, there's, yeah, there's seasons and seasons of Nazis and the occult and their search for, for rel- relics. Oh, to yeah. Collect, for re- to collect and acquire all these religious rel- relics that had power. Right. And one of the things that the Nazis had was a place called the Black Camelot or the Dark Castle. Do you know this one? No, I don't. Oh, this is where all the Nazis swore their oaths. And I'm not talking about the Waffen-SS. I'm talking about the Schustafel, the, those those really, really ugly ones, right? But they used to get a ring. They had a ring. They had a specific ring that was the skull and crossbones ring that they had. And uh, apparently, there's this huge pond down below this castle. And the story goes that uh, there were some people, they got down there afterwards, uh, uh, many years later after World War II, and they were dredging that. I've heard of that before because they they find all kinds of They dug up rings, and they were uh, people hiding who they were and stuff. Throw them in the lake. Yeah, they were throwing them in the lake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there there's a lot of evil things that came along with that Nazi end of things, too. But they were in hot pursuit of a lot of that old artwork. Yeah. I mean, there was actually a whole team of United States soldiers that were dedicated to tracking down that artwork during and after World War II. That's the movie 
the Monuments Men. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They did make a movie. Uh, it's in that, like Tom Hanks or somebody it was like a, that. It's a great movie. I yeah. don't know exactly who was all in that. But okay. Yeah, they put all those paintings and all those different artifacts and sculptures into salt mines. Yeah, oh yeah, they were hiding things like crazy. So you got to ask yourself, what were they either A, trying to confiscate the wealth of the world? Or B, were they trying to gather some things from these relics that possibly it's do not, a, it's not too far fetched no it's say not. That's the latter i mean the the idea that you know they were into the occult and that they were looking for these hidden messages and that they were seeking out these forbidden objects that's fact right? yeah so you know as far as trying to interpret what they were doing with the stuff that they did get sky's the limit the idea that that was there was something more nefarious behind it is more likely than there isn't right right because it wasn't necessarily money that was driving that. No, they had all the gold. And the spiritualism behind their or their sort of skewed spiritualism. Okay, well, we're still there in the strange end of things. So they did use the occult a great deal in World War II. Mm-hmm. They did, out of this artwork, out of all this other stuff we're talking. Now they start talking about uh, tracking down things like, um, I'm going to say it, aliens. Oh, yeah. And we all know that um, motorcycle-hating aliens are the ones that created winter. <laughs> Do you believe that, Alice? I've never heard that in my life. You never, it's, uh, well, here's the deal. You know why we have winter? Why? Because aliens hate motorcyclists. So they make it snow, so I can't ride my bike. Okay, Alice has a curious look on her face, like, <laughs> what is wrong with my dad and my pastor? Okay, so my next my next thing is, is that when they, they always said that they had touch with something else, right? Have you ever heard that with them? There's some things that you could, you know, again, this might be for a topic for a different, we could say high level on this. Okay, well, let's just low-level it right now. We're just kind of touching some bases uh, for our show today. Some of the stuff that they were in develop, developing. Right. right. Some of the stuff, the materials that they had, and some of the things, they were extremely advanced. Right. You know, you look up the Nazi bell. Oh, yeah. That try Now, was the Nazi bell for traveling or for going from point A to point B? Be, and you didn't see <laughs> where anybody went I and mean, that's your your spot on something there mike exactly and that's why when you know when when the war was over and here in the united states we were like you know what you guys figure out how you want to carve up europe and you do that we're going to take all the scientists yep and uh between us and russia mm. we divided all of those and there were some pretty horrific people that we took Oh, yeah. Operation Paperclip is a real thing. Yeah. And our advancements in rocketry and our advancements in spacecraft and our advancements in stealth technology. In medication. And medicine, yes. And, I mean, you go through all of that, it came from the horrific things that those people were doing. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when even when we take a look at that... Um, so when they start start looking at, at the different areas, they were doing a lot of psychological things with people. There was a story that's ringing a bell right now that Mussolini had a, allegedly had a UFO. I'm, I'm ready to lay it on me on the alleged UFO of Mussolini. Well, that 
you know, if memory serves me correct, Mussolini had a UFO in his possession that was taken by the Nazis. Okay. And, you know, in saying that, again, with the intent of reverse engineering and then, of course, developing, you know, advanced weaponry, which they were in no doubt in, you know, in possession of advanced weaponry without question. Right, right. Well, and they had developed a great deal of stuff. Uh, uh, even their World War One, they had. But, you know, uh, Mussolini was claiming in, in like 19, in 1933 that he had a UFO crash in Italy. Okay. And uh, so that's some of the things that, that uh, I think you're probably talking about right there. And uh, the other thing is, is that even with uh, with those guys, is they're they're talking about that. So let let's tap that that alien thing for a minute. All right. Okay. So Alice pulled this up. I wish she would just say it. But uh, the flying saucer that was collected June thirteenth, nineteen thirty three. Ooh, I was right on the year. In a crash, uh, it, it was crashed at that particular time. The alien craft. Uh, this individual had said was captured by American forces at the end of World War II and sent to the U.S. The person that had it, the it was just, I guess, taken from Mussolini. Oh, they they had the UFO. I thought itself. That the, uh, yeah, I guess a UFO crash in, in Lombardy in nine. Oh, that's different. Yeah, but uh, a secret department set up by Mussolini to study the alleged saucer. And then when the United States went in there, they had uh, taken possession of it. I thought the Nazis had taken it from Mussolini. But, you know, it's one of those things that probably warrants a little bit deeper dig. Right. To find out exactly what they're talking about. But there's some something weird about that. Right. Well, okay. So let, let, let's tap that for just, we got like 10 minutes left. Right, ten fifteen minutes here. This isn't what I thought we were. Go- I didn't think we were going to go in this. I direction, didn't think we were going we in the stretch of Mike. I didn't know where we were going. I said, "Let's sit down, and just crank out a show, and see what comes out of our mouths." Yeah. So, and we usually do better than this because what we do is we make great preparations before we sit down and go for this show. But hey, I want to kick this to you. So uh, there was a guy by the name of John D. His last name is spelled D E E. Okay, mm. you can look him up. Okay, John D. worked for Queen Elizabeth. Not this last one, the other one. Okay, so okay. back in the, I don't know what, 1700s, right? So the whole thing is with John D. is he was the one that invented the Enochian language. And remember, yeah. I brought this up the last show. Yeah, because I looked him up, yeah, and read a little bit, but not a lot. Okay, so here's a quick brief thing with him. He said that he had been contacted by angels. Okay. Okay. And then he had like this black mirror or a black ball. It all depends on who's telling the story that he would look into. And when he was looking into it, he would be able to see and communicate and talk with these angels. And eventually they had laid out this whole deal and him and another guy would work on this together and they would translate this Enochian language. And that eventually became the the language of the Luciferian nation, the and Luciferian religion. What you were referencing as far as what was written on those right. relics being built by. Right. So here's the thing. Enochian comes from 
the term Enoch. Okay. okay, so they were believing that some of this stuff was from back during the days of Enoch, so pre-flood. But I, we don't know any of that for sure. What we do know, on the other end, is that he definitely traveled Europe. Eventually, he fell out with the queen, allegedly, and then he traveled Europe. And as he traveled Europe, here was the thing. He did not, um, when he was traveling he would go in and people would ask him questions and he would consult these angels, etc. But what a lot of people believe that he was doing was spying on these other countries for the queen. And he was using this language to uh, give her messages. Oh. And you know how they always knew it was him that had wrote the letter? He had a... He was a British guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he had a certain series of numbers he used to identify himself. Oh, no. I think I know where you're going with this. 007. Oh. He's the the original James Bond. I didn't know that that's what you're going to say. And no, (laughs) hey, you can look this up. When they check, when they do, uh, 007 was homage to him, the first spy of Britain. Okay. That's kind of weird, huh? Yeah. So, but here's the other thing is that in the end, him and his partner, they end up, you can watch this, him and his partner end up doing some kind of stepping off off the edge of the map a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, but the last thing John D. ever wrote about all of this was today we call them angels. I know they are demons. Tomorrow we will call them something else. So now we're in a time where you're now I, I'm going to take this all around in a big circle. I know that we've been talking all over the map. Are you ready? Lots of loose ends here. We got lots of loose ends. I'm about time up. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. I'm grabbing out the outer side one and I'm going to wrap them all back together. So here's the thing. If we're hitting the end of our technology, if we are hitting the end of our technology, it is all that a human being can think and we are hitting a point where spirituality needs to be awakened and uh, and arose. We are in that ideal time for the the demonic to fool us that they are the aliens invading us and offering a new technology which our brains are already. I want more, right? Absolutely. And the yeah, second thing right. is is that a starvation for um, a belief system. Are you with me? And we talked about that. The and, other and we talked about that. Yeah. So what happens if all of a sudden the aliens start to show up and uh, go, hey, we, we'll give you another. I mean, we used to watch movies about this when we were kids. V, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, if you guys ever want to see one of the greatest movies ever made about aliens, they live. Yep. <laughs> Classic. That is classic. That's the longest fight scene in cinema history. It is. is uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper versus the guy in the alley. Yeah. And <laughs> and it also has uh, uh, the greatest term ever used. Alice, are you ready for the greatest term ever used? Sure. I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> 
It's awesome. <laughs> Ad Show is the greatest show. And if you ever get a chance, folks, look it up. You can find it anywhere. You should watch it. That's my new go-to because usually I'll inundate her with Convoy and uh, one of the Smokey and the Bandits. Yeah, that's good. That's now I'll good. switch over to They Live. Yeah, They Live. Uh, and in that movie, though, they kept revealing that everything was hidden in front of you and that you were being brainwashed endlessly by advertisement. So my point in tying all of this up is are we at a point right now where, where the devil, where Lucifer, is literally at a point where I've brought the world to this precipice mm-hmm. so I can make another shot at it? Well, and is, are, are these aliens, Nazis... Are these, uh, is Spear, is uh, John D looking in his black bowl? Are they all tapping into that universal consciousness, which is the thing that spans between dimensions? I'm with you. And that's possible. Possible. Alice, we got one minute, one question for you. Are you ready? Do you believe in aliens? That's a big question. Okay, give me a little answer. Y- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. can't be the only living things in all of the universe. Okay. Not possible. Do you remember any of the things that you would tell me about when you were growing up? Mm. About when you were falling asleep? Oh, yeah. Tell them that. Tell Mm-mm. us that story. Please. Mm-mm. I don't want to. <laughs> I'll just end up saying it incorrectly. So just, what happened? I... <sighs> I don't want to talk about it. You can talk about it. <laughs> she would talk about a door opening above her bed in the mm-hmm. ceiling mm-hmm. and people that were shadows crawling through. Interesting. Trying to crawl through. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see it still bugs her. Does that happen? Yeah. Not now, That's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is creepy. That is creepy. Yeah, I don't know that I'd like that. No. How do you prevent it? No, but that, that was the thing, is that they would crawl. So, you know, I used to sleep with my door open. they crawl through my door on the ceiling and then go up and then crawl through the door again. Oh, the, the like, door like, on the ceiling? No, like the door f- to my room. Okay. they crawl in and then crawl through again. And it just, like, keep going over and over and over again. Like they were caught in a loop. Yeah. And you couldn't stop them? I couldn't. I yeah. I was. It was like I was just sitting there. I couldn't move. Couldn't talk. Couldn't Could you stop anything. them now? I don't know. I don't see them. Good. That is good. On the other end of things is that uh, our minds are more open to spiritual things than most people want to admit. And usually, what happens is as people get older, they try to block those things out. Um, you know, uh, in certain parts of Christianity, there is a great, uh, view of the spiritual realm, meaning mm-hmm. that people look for visions, people look for, uh, understanding people look for, um, uh, listening to God, etc., And they can also, if they do not stay tight in the word of God, that's why I always push that so much. When they stay tight in the word of God, then what ends up happening is they are able to 
um, what's the best way to, they are able to easily combat those type of things because they know the truth. Because if you'll notice that when Jesus is taken on the devil himself, he uses the word of God, but so does the devil. Mm. The devil also uses the word of God. So you have to be cautious and truly understand what those things say. That's why that's so important. Yeah, we had a total different show planned, Mike. <laughs> Which, I, you know, I think this is good. Yeah. It, it, this is planting a lot of different seeds as far as directions we could go in the future, as well as sort of just, you know, exploring where we're at. Right. right? I mean, this is, this is the, the bare fact is this is what, we're at as a society, right? You know, and this is what we're looking at here. And part of preparation and part of the, the ability to be able to, you know, like I said, be prepared and to be able to be in a situation where you're better defended to potentially have to protect yourself against something is the acknowledgement of its presence. Right. And this is allowing us to sort of talk about things and the potential for them being present right now. Well, and the other thing is realizing the power that you have in your mind. I mean, God gave you a, a very powerful mind. It says in Romans twelve two, be renewed, you know, by by the renewing of your mind. You know, what, what happens is we have to realize the power that we have in our brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Hollywood is always playing with us. It is always playing with us, and it, and it talks to us. Inception, you remember the movie Inception? Yeah. Okay, where they are traveling into one another's dreams, etc. You know, some of that type of stuff, when you take a look at it, we have to realize is that when you uh, focus on the spiritual plane, you can see things, you hear things, you know things. Um, I always found it very interesting. They had a television series out there for a while called... Um, uh, give me just a second. It was um, uh, Grimm. Okay. The television series Grimm. Yeah, my wife watched that. Okay, and where uh, people would reveal what was hidden inside of them. Mm-hmm. And there was things like uh, Blue Button, which was uh, the bloodbath. That was a wolf. And there was pigs, and there were rats, and there were horses, and there was these other things within these people. And it was actually, whether you realize it or not, revealing to you the demonic that lives inside of humanity. And that they pursue those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this uh, the Grim guy, the Grim Reaper, he was the one that was, you know, killing them or doing whatever. But, uh, you know, the, the scary thing is is that you can almost pick up that that wasn't really fake. It was a little more true than it <laughs> needed to be. Again, tapping into something that, you know, the person might not necessarily know as truth, but sort of going into that, pulling off of that pool of knowledge and, and creating something that they think is new when, in fact, it's ancient. Right. So... I don't know. So wrap us up with something, Mike. Okay, Alice, tell them about, uh, you know, our, our, our link. When Which, we were talking, uh, this is something we were in the car driving around, and I started answering your questions. Oh, that was creepy. Yeah, so I was answering your questions, right? We were sitting in the Wells Fargo uh, line getting 
I don't know what he was doing. Cash depositing. Yeah, was and probably. I and I th- it was last year, and I was memorizing all my states to for tests we had to take. Right, at, like the capitals of the states, and I like what is the capital of South Dakota, but I didn't say it out loud. And then he just goes, "Pierre." I didn't say it, but he said it, and it was weird. And it yeah, she me insists that she didn't ask that. But I, I, I did answered it. <laughs> Well, that's so we're interesting. Linked. Alice and I are linked somehow. You guys are linked. That's a cool thing. It was creepy. Yeah, it, it can be. But uh, you know, there was a there was a prophet, and his name was uh, let's see, Bob Jones is his name. Okay, and uh, very famous guy. If you ever look him up, you'll hear a lot of things. But he used to talk about that all the time, being linked together as people. Mm-hmm. That when we reach a certain level. That we reach, and he's a strong Christian. I mean, we're not talking about a guy that didn't believe in God. We're talking about a very strong Christian man. And a part of what ended up happening with him was uh, before he passed away, um, he had made several things about what was coming. He had said, "This is this is what's next on the game." Right? We'll have to look him up, and then we'll discuss him one day. But when he died, they uh, filmed. When he passed away in his room, they filmed the clock in his room because all of a sudden the clock starts running backwards and it picked up pace and it was running and it was running and it's running. But when it comes back around, you have to realize that what he was telling us uh, even before he passed away is we're no longer in the 11th hour. The hour is upon us for humanity. Mm-hmm. Christ is coming. Be awake. And... uh when we talk about all these little mystical and and uh, things, is we have to realize is that um, the time is at hand. Um, you know, the time draws short, as we always say. Uh, there's no more waiting. Okay, Alice, you got any? Can you say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, we just wanted to remind you just one last time, just in case Mike gets kidnapped by aliens, Alice gets taken by Bigfoot. We just don't know what's going to happen out here in the wild land of the barbarian prophet, but we're just going to tell you, Jesus loves you and I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. See you next time on the barbarian prophet.